Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, ran by two best friends and self-declared members of the Night Court. Today we are discussing chapters 17 and 18 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. Hi, Libby. Hey, Abby. Pretending like we haven't talked for the last 30 minutes, but yeah, oh my god, hi, how are you doing? Right? (laughs) This is the first time we've spoken in forever. How's your week been? It's been fine. Nothing too crazy. I mean, okay, not... I was gonna say, that is a huge lie. That's not completely true. I guess, like, I had a fun interaction. I found it completely amusing. Um, Going through the Starbucks drive-thru. Side note, I miss Starbucks. Oh, I forget that you don't have some of these things in Europe. It's fine. Continue. It's fine. Uh, Yeah, so I had some errands to run, and I was like, you know what? I have finished my errands. I'm going to get a tea from Starbucks because I'm all about their passion tango tea thing. And so I am listening to my comfort book on on um, Audible. Which Akatar book is that? Uh, you know, A Court of Mist and Fury. Yep. Okay. <laughs> we knew it. Yeah. Akamath book two. Yep. <laughs> For the millionth time. And I'm like, I'm just going to chill in this drive through lane. It's not moving terribly fast at all. It's going horribly slow, but I'm going to listen to my book and I'm going to chill and eventually I'm going to get some good tea out of it. And I, I start to pull up to go into the drive-thru and this like red SUV whips around the corner and cuts me off to get into the drive-thru. And I was like, whoa, okay, all right. She must have been in a rush. Right. Like I was like, man, like they really need some coffee. They they need their caffeine. And I'm, again, I have nowhere to be. So I'm in no hurry. I, I'm not mad. I don't honk. I don't throw my hands up. I have no reaction to this. So they I let them cut me off. And they get in the drive-thru lane and it's it's right at the entrance where like once you're in the drive-thru, there's no backing out of the drive-thru because they're blocking the entrance. We're sitting there for quite some time and a lot of cars have moved forward in front of the red SUV and there's like a two car gap now and like they are essentially going to be the next person to place their order, but they're still sitting at the entrance. Like I can see that they're on their phone. I want to get her attention, not to be a jerk, but to let her know, hey, it's going to be your turn. I do I do the tiniest little beep. I don't even like fully press on my horn. I just do the tiniest little beep just as a heads up. If this were me, I would have just been like, oh yeah, hey, my bad and moved forward. That's it. That's all there is to it. No, she moves forward. And I'm not, I'm not even like looking at her at this point because what there's, what, what, what is there to look at? What, what's the deal? But I feel eyes on me. Like I feel like I'm being watched and I look up at, at like her mirrors and she makes eye contact with me. And I don't know how this woman's head is attached to her body. The way she threw her head around, it was a, it was like a bobblehead. It was insane. It was like a horror movie. It was ridiculous. She threw it around and like made a face at me. And I think she was like, 
I don't know if she was just trying to be like, what's your problem? Like, that was the vibe I got from it. All right, wasp, Karen. Yes, that is the best description that there is for it. It was so funny that, like, I just smiled so big and I'm, like, laughing. And I can't help it, but it was just really funny. And this definitely triggered her. Like, you could tell that this made her even more mad. And she kind of, like, she shook her head up and down in a way that was like, okay, yep okay it's on and I'm like oh crap like what have I done and so I I spend the rest of the time in this drive-through line listening to my audiobook looking in any other direction even though I can feel her watching me and every time I take a peek she is staring daggers I would have laid on the horn just there was the intrusive thoughts that told me to do stuff like that or told me to give what is it that our bestie likes to use a foul gesture you should have definitely given her one of those but then there was the other part of me that was like you know she she's very clearly crazy so maybe i don't give her a reason uh is in front of me still obviously and she gets her like 500 coffees and she leaves and i'm like okay like a very anticlimactic ending to that interaction well, I pull up and the guy at the drive through window was just like, well, the lady ahead of you paid for your drink. And she told me to tell you just like this, that she hopes you have a really nice day. Ew. Aw, okay. I'll pay for the car behind me. That's so nice. She totally thought she was teaching me a lesson and that I was going to walk away being like, man, I should have been a better person. No, like I didn't do anything wrong. I still stand by that. I hope one day, I hope... She finds this series, and I hope it's whatever she needs to get through the dry spell she's clearly going through, and I hope she finds our podcast, and I hope she listens, and I hope she hears this, and she knows. I hope she knows that I'm talking about her, and she remembers me, and I hope that she hears me specifically say that, one, I did nothing wrong, but two, if I had, you buying me coffee taught me nothing. I got a free drink out of it. Libby. I hope she's blessed by the cauldron in whatever way the cauldron deems. Yes. Uh, I found it entertaining. I liked taking her hateful, spiteful way of buying my drink and turning it into a very positive energy of pay it forward vibe. So, ma'am, I hope you have a really nice day. What about you, Abby? How was your week? Remember how last week I told you we got sweet baby Luna? Yes. (laughs) She has definitely made her first week of life with us interesting. Oh, okay. So we'll start off with on Friday afternoon, she had, I guess for all day Friday, she had accidents and she's a puppy. So we knew it was going to happen, but we're talking like way more accidents than normal. Right. She pooped in her kennel overnight. Oh. She threw up the night before. Um, she pooped twice oh. inside after I'd let her out and she went potty. So we knew something was wrong, but then I looked down and forewarning, this is kind of gross. So if you don't like bodily fluids, please like skip forward a minute. I looked down and there's blood in her poop. Yeah. She's watery, she watery bowels, but Aww. there's blood in there. And she's uh, like a 12 week old puppy. She's still super tiny. So my, yeah. um, dog mom senses start blaring that this is not normal. So I called the local vet here Mm -hmm. on base and they don't do emergency services. So not only is the healthcare over here bullshit, so is your animal care. Mm. So I asked, you know, hey, 
should I be worried that my puppy, who's 12 weeks old, has some blood in her feces? And she goes, uh, I would not be worried. And I was like, oh. Don't love that answer when people say stuff like that. Like that, just say yes. <laughs> right. I was like, okay, so there's my anxiety spiking. She's like, yeah, I would definitely keep watch on it. And if it gets worse, take her to the vet. And I was like, well, you already scared the ever loving out of me. So I will be taking her to the emergency vet now. Um, James takes her to the vet that evening. And she turns out she had Guardia, I think is how you pronounce it. Let me double check. Enlighten me on that. Giardia. Giardia. Okay. So she had something called Giardia, which is a single-celled parasite that gets into puppies' tummies oh. and causes them to expand because, you know, the parasite's in there. Um, but doesn't uh, the parasite takes all, like, the nutrition from what they're eating. Oh. So it can lead to malnutrition and dehydration and some really scary things if, if not checked out. So thank God I trust my intuition and had James take her to the vet. So she got, she's like on medicine for it. So she's good to go. Do you know how, like how they get Giardia? I do. Um, about 80% of all puppies have it. It's very, very common. Oh. And you can get it from a couple different things. You can get it from eating another dog's feces, which. Mm, yeah. Dogs. Gross. Um, sometimes it's in like pond water or water that's outside and she's licked a couple puddles. She's a puppy, so I'm sure it could have been that. You can get it from another dog. Um, Nova just got the, uh, before we got Luna, actually, she got the vaccine for it. Okay. So Nova's good. She can't get it. That's why we're, we're not worried about her. But it, So it, is it contagious then, too? So it, it, I think it can only be spread in excrement. Okay. That Okay, got it. But I could be completely wrong, because shockingly, Libby, I am not a vet. <laughs> so... This is third party information here. So she was a little bit tired that day and sleepy. And that was that was two days ago. And then yesterday, after having her medicine, she was right back to her feisty self. <laughs> and poor James has been really stressed at work. My husband has a very stressful job working finance. And he just wanted a nice, relaxing Saturday with his dog. <laughs> And Luna had other plans that included not being entertained by literally anything he did, uh, not wanting to play with Nova. Her only she thing she wanted to do was escape whatever container she was in. Oh, good. Did she? Was she successful? Of course she was. She's smart. And so James was good, just getting so frustrated. And he comes upstairs and puts her in her kennel to take a nap because, you know, she's a tiny puppy. And... Bless his heart, he comes into the room and he looks so stressed out. And I said, honey, what's wrong? And he's like, I don't know what to do. She won't go poop for me outside. She won't stay in her pen. She is trying to get into everything under the sun. I don't even have 30 <laughs> seconds to myself. <laughs> and I bust out. I've been dealing with this dog all day, every day while he's at work. She, I, she causes me zero issues. And so I just, it made me laugh so hard because this guy's so stressed out. Not only is Luna just being a butthead, she also decided to get a parasite. And I'm like, welcome to the family, girlfriend. You fit right in. <laughs> She's a perfect fit. That is great. I'm sorry, James. Not great for you, but still. <laughs> and then I have a part two um, update from last week. Remember how I told you that I fell and thought I had a concussion and things? Yeah, where you almost died. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Uh, so update. I fell really hard and have a really bad bruise on my arm. 
It is now six days late, five days later, and it's still there. So that's really fun. I'd say really bad is a huge understatement, but yeah, let's go. Let's keep going. Had a headache for a couple days afterwards, you know, the works. Um, but not only did I have the headache and the bruised arm, I pulled a muscle in my back. <laughs> Abigail, oh my God. From falling. And so for the last four days, I can't sleep on my back, right? Aww. So <laughs> just wanted to keep you updated. I'm not dead. I am in pain. We're just all very concerned about you, Abby. It's fine. Mm, okay. Well, Livy, uh, question of the week. What's our question? This week is, are you a foodie or do hot pox and rom... Wow. Hot pox. Hot pox. <laughs> I am already unable to speak. Are you a foodie or do hot pockets and ramen noodles suit you just fine? What's your favorite food? Mm, I would say I'm a foodie. Very much so. I want to someday make a cookbook because I really like to cook. I mean, depending on the mood, I really love hot pockets and ramen. So yes, they, that's a trick question. Yes, they suit me fine. And yes, I'm a foodie. Um, my favorite food is kind of a tie right now. Fresh, we've talked about this. This is the first thing in the podcast. I love fresh baked bread here in Italy. So like fresh croissants or they make like really good focaccia here. So that's a favorite. If I'm making stuff at home, as lame as this sounds, I love a good salad with couscous in it. Delicious. And then my favorite like um, sweet food is called gooey butter cake. Oh, yeah. It is a St. Louis staple and it is oh so good. I'm having my mom make it for me for my birthday this year. And you got to get it from like the right places too. Yeah, homemade from my mom. That's the only place. What about you? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I have to agree. I... I have to agree. I have to say it depends on my mood. Um, definitely a foodie. At, like, okay, you know, we go to Disney quite a bit. We we love Disney. And yes, you are Disney adults. Oh, man. Oh, we, uh, <laughs> we're not Disney adults in the sense we're like. That is a lie, everyone. That is the biggest lie she's ever said on the podcast. <laughs> okay, look, the point is at animal kingdom there is a restaurant it's called yak and yeti and they have these ahi tuna nachos that sounds so good oh my gosh it uh it's okay it's it's like the best thing i've ever had and i am still dreaming about it it's do you have a picture of it i yeah i can get a picture of it it's got um it, there's Asian slaw, crispy fried wontons um wasabi aioli sweet soy glaze and then like tuna ahi tuna mm. pieces and it's just oh my gosh and it's not like hot nachos these are like a cool nacho it's still but hands down it's like the best the best i've ever had the best nachos i've ever had and i still dream about them but at the same time i really like cup of noodles the spicy chicken cup of noodles i was about to say i know you and skylar are cup of noodle fans we we have so many ramen noodle packets and cup of noodles in our pantry. Like we are stocked up. So it depends. It depends on the time of day and the mood I'm in. I've decided that is a trick question. It is. Nice try. Well, Libby, we've got some long chapters this week. Monsters of chapters. So much so that when I was doing my recap, I swore I accidentally did two chapters in one because I have six pages of text. I kept checking. I was like, am I still on the right chapter? Because 
This is not ending. You ready to start your never-ending chapter? I was going to say, with that being said, maybe we should get to it. Chapter 17. Favorite is startled awake from a night terror filled with the surreal and the naga, but mostly from a faceless woman dragging her nails across Favorite's throat, slicing it open with ease, spilling her blood out and choking her. Favorite grabs for her neck once awake to reassure herself it wasn't real. Before relief can come, screaming sweeps through the manor, and Favorite is at the top of the stairs in a heartbeat. The screams mirrored those of animals she had killed in the woods but had unintentionally suffered during her takedown. Favorite watches as Tamlin carries a screaming blue skin lesser fay fairy over his shoulder with ease, blood pouring out and down the injured Fae's back, soaking Tamlin in the process. Favorite notices a knife missing from Tamlin's belt. Lucian swiftly enters the foyer below Feyre in the grand entrance and shoves the contents of the table, clearing the space to lay the injured Fay. Tamlin gently places the injured male on the table as Feyre hurried down the stairs to assist, however possible. The injured Fay had no mask, allowing Feyre to see every ounce of agony across his face. Tamlin tells Lucian he is a summer court fairy that had been dumped into the spring court just past the border. The injured Fay cries out that she had taken his wings. The mysterious she had done this. Tamlin summons hot water and bandages with a flick of his wrist, and the fey male repeated again that she had taken his wings. Tamlin spoke softly to the male, and Favor joined across from him, absorbing the damage that had been done to the being before her. Favor realizes the wings hadn't just been taken, they had been ripped off this fairy. The tears were jagged and uneven, almost appearing sawed off. The fey male shook and continued that she had taken his wings, only softer and more broken now. Tamlin urges him to be still or he could bleed out faster, but the Fae male shifts away, not wanting to be touched by the water and bandages. It hurt too much. Feyre helped to hold him down, telling herself that it was instinct or maybe mercy. Lucian was in a state of horror and shock as he backed away and vomited from the scene before him. Feyre begs the Fae male to be still, but he only sobs that she had taken his wings. Tamlin tries to stop the bleeding again, and the fairy is in agony at the touch, more blood pouring out, and his strength already depleted. Favor realizes too much blood has been lost. Tamlin realizes there is nothing within his abilities to be done. The fairy sobs softly, more, that she took his wings. Favor leans in, brushing the onyx hair from his face and telling the male that it will be all right. She knew it would not. The fey male whispers, my wings... And Feyre assures him, gently, that he would get them back. She swears it to him. She trembles, knowing that this was a false promise. Tamlin takes the male's other hand and recites a fey prayer before the male sighs his final breath. His hand was limp, but Feyre held it still. Feyre stroked his hair and stood in the pooled blood, not knowing how long it would take for a soul to leave a body, but willing to wait. Hoping he would find himself with wings, Favor stroked his hair and stood in the pooled blood, not knowing how long it would take for a soul to leave the body, but willing to wait. Hoping he would find himself with his wings in the place where he would now be. Tamlin carefully informed Favor that the fairy was gone. After she tucked his hair back one last time, Tamlin led her up the stairs. Favor tells him that they couldn't leave the fairy there. Tamlin tells her he wanted to walk her up the stairs first, and Favor realizes that Tamlin would be burying the body of the Fae soon after. Favor pleads to go with him, but he is firm in his answer, no. He says he must do this alone. Favor understands and nods her acceptance. As she turns to go, Tamlin asks her why she would be so kind. Favor does her best to explain without breaking that she wouldn't want to die alone. She would want her hand to be held too at the end, and then a while after. She admits her regret for killing Andres and for allowing herself to feel such hate. She wants to undo it all. She can only say how deeply sorry she is. Tamlin now nods his understanding and leaves to bring the female to his final resting place. 
Faber watches as Tamlin carries the Fae beyond the moonlit garden and doesn't glance back. Chapter 18. The following morning, Feyre found the blood from the dead Fae had been cleared up before she left her room. Granted, she made sure she took her time getting ready and didn't leave her room until almost noon. She wanted to find Tamlin to explain just how sorry she was about the whole Andrea situation. She realized that if she was going to stay there with him, she should try to mend their relationship. Lucian and Tamlin walked down the hall together. When Lucian saw Feyre, he immediately left through the front door without saying a thing to her, just waved. Feyre searched for her paints as a distraction from the tension she now felt with being alone with Tamlin, but didn't find anything. Instead, Tamlin gestured out the front door, where there were three horses saddled and waiting for them. Tamlin advised that her painting supplies wouldn't arrive until the next day, so he thought they could all three go for a ride together. He promised no killing would be involved and no Naga to be scared of. Feyre asked where to. When they arrived at their destination, Feyre was in awe of the beauty around her. It was the most beautiful place she'd ever seen, and it filled her with a feeling she couldn't explain, only that it felt right. After what the three of them had witnessed the previous night, it was a much-needed breath of fresh air. Tamlin and Lucian packed a blanket, but Feyre much rather preferred to sit on the soft grass. The boys began to whisper behind her, and as Feyre turned to look at them, Tamlin plopped down beside her. She asked where they were, and he replied that it was just a glen. He asked if she liked it, but Feyre couldn't hear him. She was lost in the grass-colored, amber-flecked eyes before her. She marveled at how Tamlin fit into their surroundings, like he was meant to be there. He repeated his question, did she like it there? She simply replied yes, and Tamlin gawked. Yes, that's all she had to say. Feyre snidely replied, asking if the High Lord would rather she grovel with gratitude. Tamlin replied with, oh, the Suriel told you nothing important, did he? Feyre said that the Suriel had also told her that Tam likes to be brushed, and if Feyre was smart, she could train him with treats. Both Lucian and Tamlin busted out in laughter. Lucian so much so that he said he might die of shock that Feyre actually made a joke. She mocked that Lucian didn't even want to get her started on what the Suriel said about him. Lucian popped a bottle of wine, drank from it, and scoffed. Brushed, he said, before laughing again. Tamlin pulled Feyre to her feet and asked her to follow him. He had something to show her. She followed him, but Lucian didn't, continuing to drink his wine on the blanket. Tamlin led them down the hill towards a sparkling silver pool that Vera could tell wasn't made of water, but something more special. He bent down to the pond and cupped the liquid into his hands. Vera joked that the liquid looked like starlight, and to her surprise, Tamlin explained that's exactly what she was looking at. He didn't know how or why the starlight was pulled into the pond in his court because he never asked. Tamlin began unbuttoning his shirt before asking her to swim, and Feyre hesitated. Naked and alone with the High Lord? She stuttered her no. She asked him why he brought her here, and he replied that it was his favorite glen to go to as a child. Prodding, Feyre asked when was he a child? All Tamlin said was that it was a long time ago. Feyre pushed. Was Lucian okay after everything that had happened the night before? Tamlin shrugged his shoulders and quietly began to explain that Lucian had gone through a lot of things that would make nights like the previous one hard. Tamlin explained that Lucian was the youngest of seven sons of the High Lord of the Autumn Court. The Autumn Court was a beautiful but ruthless place. The brothers only saw each other as obstacles to get rid of in pursuit of the throne. The eldest didn't get the throne in Printhian, but the strongest. Lucian didn't care about being a High Lord, so instead of chasing the crown, he did a whole bunch of things he probably shouldn't have as a son of nobility, especially not fall in love with a fairy that his father didn't deem to have the correct bloodline. Lucian couldn't care less that she wasn't High Fae and was planning on marrying her once their mating bond had snapped into place. Together, they would leave the Autumn Court completely. Lucian's father detested the plan and had her executed. The High Lord of the Autumn Court made his two eldest sons forcefully hold his youngest and watch his true love die. So then Lucian left. 
He abandoned his title and walked away. Three of his brothers wanted to kill him, so they went out to follow him. Only one brother came back, the others killed by both Lucian and Tamlin separately. Tamlin had the right to kill because the brothers had wandered onto his court, which technically threatened the peace to his land. Lucian was then taken in by Tamlin and became his emissary and had stayed ever since. His father never apologized and Lucian never forgot what they did to his love. Feyre understood now, at least a little, why Lucian acted the way he did. Her heart began to ache for Lucian and she found herself needing to change the subject. She asked what would happen if they drank the water. Tamlin said legend was they would both be happy until their last breath and maybe they both needed a glass. Feyre said the whole pool wouldn't be enough for her. Tamlin exclaimed that the cauldron must have set down a miracle for her to have made two jokes in one day. She smiled. He asked what would make her happy, and she didn't have an answer to that. She had never thought past surviving. But after a few more jokes from Tamlin, she decided a swim would suffice to make her happy now. She stared Tamlin in the eye as she began to unbutton her tunic, pants, and ended only in her undergarments. She walked to the edge of the pool as Tamlin's eyes drank her in, eyes drawing over her from head to toes and back ever so slowly. He smiled back at her and button by button removed his own clothing. The laughter in his eyes turned so quickly to lust and need that Feyre had to look away. She only managed to glance at his now bare chest that was so unlike Isaac's. Isaac's body had still hung on to its boyish features while Tamlin? He was nothing but pure man, toned from centuries of fighting. Feyre walked into the pond and found the liquid to be wonderfully warm. She weighed into the liquid deep enough to begin to tread in place, and found the consistency to be thicker than water, but thinner than oil. Tamlin asked how she had learned to swim, and Feyre explained that when she was 12, she taught herself. Granted, she almost died and drank half the lake in the process, but by watching other kids in the water, she taught herself. Another question from Tamlin, how did her father lose their fortune? Feyre took a deep breath before starting the story of her father, the prince of merchants, who was secretly struggling with debt. He came up with a plan to rid of the debts, and eight years ago, put all their wealth on three ships that sailed through a rough and dangerous passageway to retrieve spices and cloth. The boats never reached the shores and sank. His creditors came after him and left him with nothing but a broken name and a handful of gold pieces that had bought their rundown cottage. She admitted that after all of that, her father just stopped trying. They began their return to the manor later in the afternoon. Feyre kept staring at Lucian, and after the tenth time, he finally asked her if there was anything she needed. Feyre said quietly, as to not let Tamlin hear, that she never got to thank Lucian for his advice with the cereal. Lucian tensed up. Feyre said that if he wanted her dead, he was going to have to try a little bit harder. Lucian said that he didn't intend for her to die, but Feyre interrupted, saying that she was only kidding. Lucian was surprised that Feyre would so quickly forgive him. She replied that she got it. She was a human who killed his friend and now lived in the same house as him. She understood why he did what he did. Lucian was quiet for a while, but finally said, Tamlin had told him her first shot wasn't to save herself, but the cereal. Feyre said it was the right thing to do. Lucian said there are a lot of people who wouldn't have seen it that way, that he heard her scream and he hesitated. Not for long, but for long enough before he ran towards her. He said that even though he got there in time, he'd broken his word to her. He then tossed her a jeweled hunting knife with the words, it's yours, don't bury it in my back, please. I mean, I don't know if he should have given her, her a knife <laughs> but i guess that's a sign of like trust um yeah i don't know i don't know that giving her a knife was a great idea but i do think that there's a difference in the relationships that they have forged now than when she first arrived so i don't i don't think she's in the same place where if she has a weapon she's going to use it on them necessarily no but that is a huge sign of trust I think with Lucian, he even comments right now about how easily 
favor forgives him and he's like shocked by it like there's note about that like it makes me sad for Lucian it makes me think wow has he never had such uh, an easy relationship has he never had such an easy kindness in his life where like he has to work so hard to even earn forgiveness for simple things I mean not simple he almost let her die but like maybe maybe her kindness is enough for him to be like wow like okay yeah I can trust her I, I think he was expecting different from Feyre he was expecting her with the Naga more so the surreal I should say to um, come back and be enraged with him, but she doesn't. She doesn't like go off on him. She doesn't sell him out to Tamlin or, or get him in huge trouble. She just is like, you know what? Try harder. And that's it. Like, that's it. It's, she's just kind of over it. She doesn't hold on to it. She gets it. She's like, hey, I wronged you. We'll call it even and move on with our lives. And I just don't think, I don't think Lucian or Tamlin are used to that. I mean, we've heard that the Fae hold on to grudges. They, they're relentless with each other. And I'm sure that even if it's an eye for an eye in the Fae world, that's not how they probably handle things. They probably say, I don't care if I wronged you, you wronged me. So now I have to wrong you even more. I feel, yeah, it's never ending there. Right. This is probably a big enough, I guess, gesture to him that he would feel he can trust her with this knife. But like, there is a lot. We learn a lot about Lucian in in these chapters. Like this... Oh my God, Libby, we learn a lot about everyone. That's true. But my heart for Lucian, to, to have been in love with someone and then your brothers hold her down to be killed in front of you. Like what? Okay, but... Not only was it just the brothers, but also his dad was the one that orchestrated the whole thing, Libby. And I am so upset for him. Yes. Like, I I just, his dad sounds like the biggest douche in all of Prithian and all of the human realm and all of everywhere. Like, he sounds absolutely cold-bloodedly evil. I'm so frustrated by this like who cares he is your youngest son of seven you have six others that are probably going to take your your titles and lands why does it matter who lucian like fools around with who cares but it does to him you know what it makes me think of it makes me think of like have you ever watched um the crown on netflix with the royal family yes well i've watched a couple episodes so uh in in the crown and with the royal family, we know that in the like the seventies and eighties, probably before then too, the image of whoever the said royal member of the family was fornicating with or dating or possibly marrying was a very controlled thing. It it they had to approve anybody that they were in relationships with, especially being married to. And I mean. We saw Princess Margaret. She went through how many relationships? She went through a lot of tumultuous relationships because she wasn't allowed to just marry the person she wanted to marry. And I mean, even Prince, uh, uh, Prince, well, now he's king. King Charles, like he, he probably wouldn't have married Diana if he hadn't had so much pressure from his family. And it's just, we see when your family steps in to push their beliefs and what they want for you to portray to the world with your relationships, it's almost always a disaster. And that's the vibes I'm getting here is that it, the Autumn King or the, uh, the yeah, the Autumn King decided 
it wasn't a good enough image. So he's going to go kill this chick. In his weird, twisted way, he wants what's, quote, best for his son. I don't. I disagree. No. I think he wants what's best for him. And to do that, he has to control the things his sons do. That's personally what I think. But I could see it from his side, like his father's side, like view. Okay, okay. He's got all these sons. He's he's the high lord of the autumn court. They've got a bloodline to keep clean, keep pure. And the only way to do that is with high fae blood. So... Ugh, gross. Okay, but you had to kill her? Like, you couldn't... There was no other options here? <laughs> like, what? Oh, yeah. No, this man is evil. This is what makes me so mad. He had his two eldest son go and hold down his youngest and then murdered his love right in front of his eyes. I mean, like, you haven't heard of banishment or, like, literally anything else? Anything. But that was the thing that would hurt the most. And it, congratulations, dearest Autumn King. You really fucked up your son. Well, the thing is, he could have gotten what he wanted without taking it that far. He went that far just to cut down Lucian, just to just to hurt him, which and like the the fact that his brothers like were like, oh, heck, yeah, let's do this. And then they chase him down. Three of them chase him down to kill him when he leaves. My what? What is with this family? What is with all of these family dynamics? Faye family dynamics. This is like, mm-mm. Okay, but listen, only one comes back. That's, yeah, <laughs> that should tell you something. <laughs> so uh, let's do the math here. If there was seven and now two are gone and he is one of them, there are four other brothers now, right? You know what? I, yes, that's true. You know what? Like at first though, before we find out that um, Lucian and Tamlin, you know, took the ax to two of them, um, there were seven sons. The Autumn King had seven sons and him very clearly being evil of some sort. uh, There are seven courts. I wonder if he was hoping to do like a mass takeover. It's just just that it's a conspiracy theory. Complete my own made up conspiracy theory. If at one point he had this idea that he would use each son to take over a different court and be rule over them all type thing, you know, maybe. Obviously, two are now dead. It's not going to work. Math, math ain't mathin anymore. So, the plan's spoiled. But you know what? Personal message for the Autumn King: Die mad, die mad, you ass. Yeah, he's not my favorite human. Um, and then Favorite takes a moment and she's like, "I get it now. I get why he's got walls up. I get why he acts out in such anger so quickly. I get why Lucian's the way Lucian is. And so much so that she's like, okay, let's change the subject to anything else that I can possibly think of. This starlight, can I, can we drink it? You know, it was, it was such a complete change of a uh, turn of events. And then, yes. And then our favorite monster man goes, Hey, so about your dad, how did he lose everything? <laughs> Way to change the vibe. Like, bro, the energy in the room. Can you can you read the room? What? What a personal question. And we've known, obviously, since what, chapter one of Pharaoh's father's downfall. And we just never knew specifics, but now we know. While he was called the Prince's Merchants, he had a lot of debt. He saw a way to 
theoretically get rid of that debt and took a risky route and it did not pay off. He lost everything. Get rich quick scheme. Yeah. And at least now we have a backstory. I think it's still sad that Farah said once that happened, once he lost everything, he just gave up on life. I mean, and he does. We saw it. She's not wrong. Backtracking a little bit before before it got that intense. Um, I I want to swim in Starlight. I I want to take a dip. Right? Please. <sighs> and I like how uh, Bestie described it. She's like, it wasn't the consistency of water. It was thinner than oil. It makes me think of like a good bath bomb. Yeah. Like a really, you know. Yeah. Give me a pool filled with Starlight bath bombs silver starlight oh yes Ooh, you know what would be i wonder if hey if you guys want to like put me on the board of decorations and give me a free invite to the starfall ball that's cool let's get a fountain and let's fill it with starlight starlight uh, equivalent <gasps> like there's got to be some silver sparkly powder you can put on there and yes something something you know they do chocolate fountains why can't we do a starlight fountain why can't we find a way oh I love it. Um, but we need to backtrack to your chapter. We, that was all. We got excited. We do. We're like, yeah, we got to we gotta take like five steps back. Oh, my goodness. We did. There was there's just so much to di- dive into with these long chapters now. Um, okay. Heartbreaking. This was really sad for me. The, chapter 17, we are introduced briefly to uh, this injured Fey male. And she, Feyre says it like he's blue skinned he's a lesser fay and he's just brought in and he is in agonizing pain i the how do i explain the description of his wings being torn off jaggedly sawn off at the stump oh i got chills yes and the blood the blood just it just like it was so descriptive i i mean obviously i had the mental image of it i could see it but good lord the detail just the the thought of someone sawing them off and you don't know you don't know if she ripped them off or if she sawed them off but they are just jaggedly torn apart and it is just you can feel you i i don't have wings obviously we don't have wings you don't i i wish abby i i'm very jealous if you have wings like that is amazing yeah the right duh Bro, what? <laughs> but the 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 thought of an appendage being just absolutely uh, that's like your your hands getting ripped off. Not not sawed ripped off. Yes. Torn. Like the ligaments being just uh, shredded apart from another. It's so disturbingly painful. The idea of it, the 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 description, it hurts. To I can't imagine how the pain and but what really hurts me is how he's just like my wings like he's broken he's just like my wings well he's not I don't even think it's broken I think it's shock because yeah obviously he's in pain but the shock of imagine somebody taking your hands you'd go my my hands are my hands are gone and that's all so he's he's stuck in a loop of my wings my wings and bless Lucian's heart yes he can't oh Lucian can't he oh no absolutely not and we obviously we learned a little bit more why he can't in your chapter but at that point we're like what Lucian get in there help and he he can't do it He's he's backing away. But Pharaoh stood up and did it. And I, I, I was like, there is her character standing by somebody's side while they are dying from a horrific death. She stood by their side. And actually, there's a 
there's a point in here um, that it's not a favorite quote of mine, but it, it is one of like the emotional sentences. It says, death wasn't just hovering in this hall. It was counting down the fairy's remaining heartbeats. Yes. When, when she takes his hand and tells him he'll get his wings back, I was just like, like, I, uh, I, I was very choked up. Like, to me, oh. I, I would want that. I, obviously, it's not going to happen. Obviously, and she, and she's like almost guilt ridden with the fact that she's lying to him. But if I'm, yeah, she's like, this is the first promise I've ever made that was empty. You know what, though? I would want that. I would want the comfort. If I'm in my last moments, why, why, why make it harder for me? Why make me more? Why, why take more away from me? Give me the comfort. Give me the peace to cross over without (laughs) with with something that's exactly what she gave him because after she goes he's like you swear i'm gonna get my wings back you swear she goes yes and that's when he passes away and oh my gosh the prayer that tamlin says over him after he's passed was just so beautiful i'm gonna read it uh it said cauldron save you mother hold you pass through the gates and smell the immortal land of milk and honey fear no evil fear fear no pain go and enter eternity i am saying this now if I die, please read that at my funeral. That is beautiful. I love it. It is just, it's its such a sweet thing for him to do. Oh, all right. Abby's mom, she said it. She said she wants it at her funeral. So do not get mad at me when we do. <laughs> and after he finishes the prayer to whoever they prayed to, to the cauldron, to the mother, Feyre doesn't leave the fairy as it passes away. And eventually Tamlin has to go Feyre you know, you have to let him go. Yes. And she says, I don't know how long it took for a soul to leave the body or fairy soul to leave her body. And I wouldn't want to be alone. Again, I want that. I like, and I I would do that for someone I loved. I wouldn't want, because there would be this fear in me. I wouldn't want to leave and think, were they actually gone? Or did I just leave at like, you know, when they were still, you know, lingering? Maybe it's just a weird thing. But I, I completely agree with Vera. Yeah, I, I don't know how long it takes. And even if it's that monitor is like, yep, they're gone. I'm like, I, I want to make sure I'm going to give it a few minutes here. I give them some time. No. And if we want to take this back to Akatar, we, we don't know if that fairy had family. Yeah. We know literally nothing except that he's from the summer court. And so it it was just, it meant a lot to me personally for Feyre to have the character to stay by his side. And then Tamlin is like, I have, you know, Feyre says, we can't leave him here. Yeah. And Tamlin's like, yeah, yeah I was going to walk you upstairs before uh, I yeah. dealt with it. And Feyre doesn't get to go and help, even though she really wants to help bury him. I mean, I kind of get it. I kind of get why he feels like, he has to be the one to do this. I don't think of this so much as Tamlin being controlling or anything more so than him just being like, this is, this is just something he needs. Right. I mean, he is the high Lord. It's, it's his responsibility. And Tamlin even is like, this is one of my favorite parts of the chapter. He goes, you dislike our kind on a good day. And after Andrus, so why? I think we're all thinking it though. Right. Feyre goes, because I wouldn't want to die alone because I'd want somebody to hold my hand until the end. And a while after that, that's something everybody deserves. Everybody deserves human or fairy. So like right in that same page, there's is my favorite quote actually. 
And it's it, it just I don't know something about it kind of hit me because Tamlin we we have seen him to g- just be this aggressive angry get down to business like fight the bad guy type thing like he's always got something to fight something to rage against you know, um, and she says uh, his head was bowed. No claws, no fangs. There was nothing to be done against this enemy, this fate. No one for him to fight. And like that, to me, like he he probably feels so powerless. There is literally nothing for him to go up against. It just is. And he can't do anything more than accept and move on. And I, Tamlin being, like I said, this aggressive, like take charge person probably just feels incredibly helpless and i think it humanized him to her and i say humanize that's the best word that i can use to describe because obviously he's fae yeah but so much so that at the end of this chapter Feyre says what we've all been thinking since day one she says i regret what i did to andrus i regret that there was such hate in my heart i wish i could undo it and i'm sorry i'm so very sorry and i don't even think she's allowed herself to say that internally but she saw how raw and open that Tamlin was in that moment that I think she felt comfortable enough to share that, which is kind of a weird timing if you think about it. You just witnessed a death. I feel, I bet that, I mean, yeah, it is definitely a weird timing, but I bet she's just, she's probably overcome as well with emotion and is just thinking like, she's just mm, so worried, so many. Um, she's finally seeing a side of Faye that she had never known to exist. She went into all of Prithian and all of their lands with prejudice and so much hate. And now she has gotten to know both Tamlin and Lucian so much more. She's gotten to see that's not how the Fae all are. That is not truly what their kind and people can be like. And not only that, not only has she now seen these better sides to them, She's just witnessed one of them die a, grushy, a gruesome, unprovoked, un- unnecessary death. She's watched this horrible thing happen. So it's probably shooken her, shaken her and made her think like, wow, like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I did hate. I'm sorry that I did look at you guys and think that you guys were nothing but evil de- deserving to die because that guy didn't deserve to die. And you know that Tamlin told Lucian about it. Because I think that's the reason that he felt comfortable enough with Feyre to give her the knife. I, I could agree to that. I bet I bet he did. I can definitely see that. Yeah. He's like, finally, she's apologized. She's, she's realizing we're more than just these monsters, you know? Right. And Lucian kind of admits to himself, too. He's like, I didn't uphold my promise. I, I hesitated before coming to you. Did I make it in time? Yes, but that doesn't matter. I hesitated. I broke my promise. And the fact that he was able to own up to that and give her his, I mean, the the true source of faith in her. This was a physical representation of the faith that he had in her. A little bit, a little bit lighter of a topic, though. Um, Favor's calling Tamlin Tam now. He's he gets a nickname. Oh my god, it's so cute. Also, a little cringy for me is when Tamlin roars with laughter. I was like, oh, it wasn't that funny. It was not worth that. I think it was just because she's never made a joke before. And so he's like, wow. Fair. It's finally happening. But also, Fair, can we stop comparing poor baby Isaac? Like, come on. That is not fair. He is a man, a human man. But it's the only point of reference she has. I get it. Uh, back to Feyre being funny, though. Can we talk about how she said that this joke that the surreal likes or the surreal said that Tam likes being brushed and if she was a clever girl, she could train him with treats. That was, I see, I giggled and then 
he roared with laughter and I was like, eh, like chill out. But yes, it was funny. Oh, I thought it was funny. It was funny. And she went back to Lucian and was like, don't even get me started with the surreal set about you. And he does not pro- poke that bear. I, I'm enjoying the warmth between these people now. I'm, in, I'm enjoying the relationships evolving. They're becoming friends. Yes, yes, friends. Okay, Abby, do you have a favorite quote? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. But before that, there's one more thing I wanted to hit on. The nameless she was brought up again. Yep. It's right when the fairy comes in with the, the wings that were t- torn off. He said, she took my wings. And Pharaoh goes, again, that nameless she who haunted their lives. If she wasn't ruling the spring court, then perhaps she ruled another. We're learning little bits and pieces about her, but we still have no idea what's going on. And I'm getting a little frustrated. Also, what the heck? What is her deal? Why is she ripping off people's wings? Fear? Lighter note, I got to bring out the purple pen. The purple smut pen. <laughs> We're, you're you're going to start using it quite a bit more, but yeah, go ahead. I know. There's two purples now. It's when, um, I'm going to read it because I can't, you can't summarize this shit. It says, <laughs> slowly, so slowly, his eyes roved down and then up as if he were studying every inch, every curve of me. And even though I wore my ivory under things, that gaze alone stripped me bare. Farah, <laughs> she likes him. <laughs> she does. SJM introduced me to using the word under things for underwear and I love it. It's my favorite new thing to call underwear is under things. Under things. I like it. But it's just it's a very neutral word and I just like it. It's fun to say. But yeah, uh she is enjoying the visual in front of her and being the visual for T- uh, Tim Tam Monster Man. Tim Tam the Monster Man. We need a Tim Tam the Monster Man shirt. If any of our stars of the week want to like work with us here. <laughs> Love it. All right, Abby. So what's your favorite quote? I have a lot. Oh, boy. <laughs> but if I have to, I think I can pick a couple. Um, right when they enter the Glen, she says, as if the colors and lights and patterns of the world had come together to form one perfect place, one true bit of beauty. After last night, it was exactly where I needed to be. I just thought that was beautiful. It is. I've been feeling that way lately. Mm-hmm. And Italy has been such like a breath of fresh air to be able to like go out and randomly go to a castle or just go out and drive amongst the mountains. And I, I get that like, oh my God, that place can be so beautiful, can almost like breathe life back into you. So there, that was a good one. And then one more, it was about the death um, or how she felt about the death. Give me one second to get there. Yeah, it's a two-way tie. It's, it's a tie between death wasn't just hovering in this hall. It was counting down the fairy's remaining heartbeats. And because I wouldn't want to die alone, because I'd want somebody to hold my hand until the end, and a while after that, that's something everybody deserves, human or fairy. Both of them are just perfect. Hmm. Those are really good ones. I like those. Hey, Libby, you know how I normally do the start of the week? Yeah. My friend, would you like to read the start of the week? Because this guy is your favorite. Yes, I really, really would. Because I found him on TikTok a while back and followed him a long time ago and we sent him a message and I fully 100% did not expect a response back but our star of the week this week is at Connor the Bard and it's at Connor underscore the Bard on TikTok and he does cosplay and he tends to cosplay as Resan from Akatar and yeah I'm just I, I fangirled I fangirled really hard I was very excited about this he says 
So I got into theater when I was super young. I came from a theater family, but my parents worked for the U.S. Forest Service, so I grew up in some pretty rural places. Stories became how I entertained myself. Books, musicals, movies, etc. I would hyperfixate. Getting my MFA in acting led me to the East Coast. The pandemic hit theater hard, and it still hasn't fully recovered, so I found myself turning to other ways to tell stories. TikTok led me to D&D Talk, which became a gateway drug to cosplay fantasy and spicy book talk. I ran across a creator named Kat Nicole who inspired me to pick up Akatar. I started reading at the end of April and started posting thoughts and reactions. The response was insane, and the reactions became more and more elaborate. Read unhinged. Almost without even realizing, as these videos evolved, I realized I was becoming more and more comfortable being myself, letting people see me in these videos in a way that I hadn't let many people see me in a long time. The Akatar and Book Talk community have been incredible, warm, and welcoming, and I have gotten to connect with some incredible people. What I love the most about this is that I don't know where I'm going. I'm reading and experiencing these books in real time, and as the story evolves, so does the content I post, and to be able to just put yourself out there and have it met with such love and warmth has been an incredible healing. Ah, oh, Connor, yes. Like, I think we can agree and relate to so many pieces and parts of your story and your journey and guys just go check out his TikTok. It is super entertaining. He does a great job with all of it. Um yeah, he's just been a lot of fun to follow along. I've just got to say I don't think I've ever seen you happier than when he replied that yes, he wanted to be a star of the week. I was so excited. It was so cute. Because you just you you were genuinely just so happy that he part of the Akatap world. So Connor, thank you for making Libby's dreams come true. Yes. And not that far. <laughs> I was, I like ran to my husband and I was like, he said yes. And I was like showing him and Skylar was like, great, cool. And I was like, no, be excited with me. I know you don't get it, but just pretend. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't understand. This is really cool. <laughs> Calling all dreamers, we want to hear from you. Send us an email to a court of thorns and podcasts at gmail.com and tell us everything. How you found the series, your favorite characters, or questions you have for us. I do want to say we have not received an email, but last week we received a whole bunch of really sweet messages from our our great listeners to our Instagram account. We did, yes, yes. And I like sent them to Libby and Libby responded, this is why we do our podcast. It's so cool. And it was honestly so cool. There was a girl from Germany and then a couple from the US that were like, hey, we found your podcast and just wanted to say how much we love it. So um, please keep doing that because it made me feel like there was a purpose besides Libby and I talking all the time, which is great and lovely, but we want to make like a community here. It was very, it was motivating. It was what we needed too. So thank you. To the people who listen and the dreams that are answered. We'll see you next week. And remember, don't let the hard days win. The pandemic? Libby, there was a pandemic. Did you forget? Was there? Was there a pandemic? Abby, I'm going to lose my shit. I'm ordering an office chair.